What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Anti Up. I'm Howard Bender. With me, of course, Adam Ronis. Ah, Adam. Midweek here, fantasy-wise, lots of things going on. Obviously, NBA best bets and uh, and fantasy basketball and DFS going bonkers. You guys are killing it, man. Between your picks at Wager Alarm and what the DFS team is doing over at Fantasy Alarm, uh, this is ridiculous, man. You guys are making mad bank for a lot of people. I, I don't know why I don't bet more. I don't know. I don't know. What could possibly go wrong, right? Yeah, nothing. Nothing at all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, yeah, it's been a pretty good stretch. Uh, actually, um, what was uh, what day is it? What day? I'm confused. All right, Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday was only three and three. But, you know, it's better than a losing night. Uh, but the stretch before was 13 and four. So it's 16 and seven over the last four days. Uh, so it's been pretty good. And, you know, that you want to you want to win every night, but, you know, you can't. Uh, you just want to avoid the big losing nights. Uh, and we've been able to avoid that and been profitable on most nights. So, you know, I think, yeah, we lo lost one prop by a half. Uh, had John Morant over eight and a half assists. He had eight. Um, he hadn't been scoring much lately, but he decided to go nuts on Tuesday night. So um, overall, though, it's been it's been a really good stretch here. Been a really good stretch, and you know what? In, in all honesty, with you know, with with some of the props that you've lost by a half this season, I mean that's I mean that that's just I mean again that's that's process works over over results no matter what, and you know, and here we go. With that, you know, you're in it. If you're in it at the end of the game there, and you've got that chance to uh, for for that bet to hit, I mean, that's really that's what it comes down to for the process. And so, you know, losing it by a half, it totally sucks. But at least you know you're on the right track here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think most people that are savvy understand that, and they're like, okay, yeah, it, it was right, it was right there, it was close, and it came up just a little bit short. So. Uh, it's rare that you just get destroyed on a bet, you know? Um, it's going to happen from time to time. But for the most part, uh, it's been pretty good. And it's nice when they cash early. Like Julius Randle a couple nights ago just, like, cashed it so early. I didn't go back to him tonight. And, man, he's already crushing it at halftime. He's got 17 points. I mean, he's playing unbelievable this year, making a push uh, to be in the All-Star game. And hard not to say he doesn't deserve it. He's been ridiculous. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deny that. I'm more thinking about, yeah, I mean, as far as, uh, I just lost my train of thought. My train of thought's still boarding at the station right now, Adam. That's what it comes down to. Um, yeah, no, listen, you guys have been fantastic about identifying, uh, a lot of the trends and knowing when to stick with them and, and when to not stick with them. Um, I'm curious, uh, as to, uh, as to what you had going on today. I was talking to James Grande earlier uh, tonight. Now, again, we're recording on Wednesday, so the results of, of this game will obviously be in. Uh, but the question that I asked him about was uh, was Denver, and do I go back to that well tonight against Washington? It's a back-to-back. -back. You know, like Denver usually very reliable. I mean, Jokic is, is you know, it's it's ridiculous. Now, they, they didn't have a good showing Tuesday in Tuesday's game against Boston. Uh, but now they go up against Washington, whose defense, I mean, let's just face it, it's it's not good. But the question was, was, you know, is Denver a smart low, you know, potential low own 
given that the slate is that big. And I was curious as to your thoughts. Do you do you go back to the well on stuff like that? Yeah, I um I had Jokic in there tonight. I mean, Washington is just so bad defensively, and Jokic has just been a machine. The, the Denver also getting some guys back healthy tonight. Uh, they didn't have Gary Harris and Monte Morris against the Celtics. Those guys are back. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'll definitely go back. And Jokic is just – I didn't – I put his prop in the – was it yes? Yeah, I did give out his prop against the Celtics over – 42 and a half points, rebounds and assists, and he crushed it. I didn't go back to it today because when I was doing the write-up, he was dealing with a thumb injury. They listed him as probable, so I thought he was going to play, but I didn't mess around with it. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Um, All right. Well, uh, you know, obviously a lot of the games are just getting underway, so we don't have to, you know, really go on with that. Anything that you felt particularly, uh, particularly good about? Do you have a do you have a play of the day here? Yeah, Draymond Green. We've been crushing this prop lately. Over fifteen and a half rebounds and assists. Uh, he's yeah. averaging eleven point six assists and seven point six rebounds in the last eight games. He's gone over this total in seven of the last eight games. And I think the one game he did it, he finished at fifteen against Brooklyn. It was a little bit of a blowout. So, uh, got to keep going back to him. Um, so yeah, uh, Draymond Green was uh, the play of the day. I like it. I like it. I mean, I'd say I wish I knew more basketball so that I could go back and forth with you a little bit more about certain things. I uh, just, uh, you know, what you want to talk hockey? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sweating. I'm sweating my goalie tonight. My, my Toronto Maple Leafs goalie, Frederick Anderson. Um, it's freaking me out, dude. So like, I, I don't know you. So if you're not following the NHL, Ottawa not playing well at all. Not a good team, right? The Leafs are up uh, two nights ago. They're up 5-1 on Ottawa. And I'm like, oh, this is great. This is sick. I've got Freddie Anderson. He's on this, like, sick run in, in, in the net over, like, his last three games. And, uh, and Ottawa ends up winning the game 6-5. Wow. Yeah. Like, blowing a 5-1 you know, lead. A 5-1 lead. I'm one of the worst teams, and now they uh, they play tonight again. And so now I'm, like, freaking out. I mean, I'm not, you know, I didn't take Freddie Anderson out, but I got the sweats, dude. I got the NHL sweats bleeding all over the place. Well, it's fun, man. I mean, I do the same in the NBA. So, uh, I mean, it's fun when you win. It's not fun when you lose. No. <clears throat> it is definitely not fun when you lose. Uh, no doubt about it. Oh, by the um, way, uh, Jokic has 10 points and one rebound in the first uh, three and a half minutes of the game. And what was the uh, combined? I didn't even I didn't know what it was tonight. My guess it was it's been it was 42 and a half against Boston. In this matchup, my guess is maybe 44 and a half, 45 and a half. I didn't I didn't look uh, when I saw the injury. I was like, eh, I'm not going to mess with it. All right. Okay. I mean, he's been he's been going over that most of the time, though. And this was a, I mean, they have 14 points in three and a half minutes. So it's a great, great matchup for him. So not a surprise, but did use him in DFS. What's the uh, what's the what, what's his ownership right right now? Um, I, I just did a, a free contest for Lisa Ann because um, I'll be working with her on Thursday morning. Um, so it was just a 200 person contest. And let's see how many, I think it was, I saw 16% because he's 11,000, 16.5%. Uh, 
Okay, I'll, I'll highest, take Jokic at sixteen and a half percent. Highest priced player on the slate. So, well, I mean, put up what seventy points the other night. Yeah, uh, yeah, he had like he had forty three points, and yeah, he's just been unbelievable, man. Uh, putting himself in the MVP conversation. I don't think he'll get it right now, but I mean, you gotta consider him with the way he's playing. Wait, how many games are we into the season right now? Uh, about 27, 28, 70 okay. game season. Okay. All right. So, you know, you're, you're almost at the, uh, at the, at the third of, you know, 33% of the season in there. Who's the leading candidate for MVP? Uh, LeBron James by odds. And now that Anthony Davis is out at least two to three weeks, uh, LeBron is going to do put up insane numbers. And I thought it was his to, to lose and, I think it will be uh, Joel Embiid's in the mix. But again, he's, he sat the other day against Utah. He is playing tonight. He is playing at an MVP level, but it's difficult for me to give it to him if he's going to continuously sit. And LeBron James has yet to miss a game this year. And LeBron James wants it. So uh, I think he has a – he's the favorite. And Embiid's in there, Jokic, Damian Lillard, I guess you you have to make a case for because Portland's had a lot of injuries. And they're 17-10. They keep winning. Uh and Lillard is obviously the driving force behind that. I mean, they've been without C.J. McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, Zach Collins. They've had a ton of injuries. And Lillard just keeping that team afloat. Okay. What about Steph Curry? He's been uh, – he's averaging – I think I heard he's averaging somewhere in the neighborhood of like 37 points per game over the last six. Yeah. I just don't think that team is good enough. Um, I mean, should he be in the conversation? Yeah. But, you know, you they tend to give the award to – Team players on winning teams. Golden State's 15 and 13. You know, the Lakers are 22 and 7. Phillies 18 and 10. Um, so I think that's probably going to be the biggest issue. And they beat up on bad teams and they do not beat good teams. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that that will uh that will definitely detract from your MVP candidacy. Uh, no doubt about that. They just they they just can't compete against the good teams, but lo and behold, they just pump up the stat sheet. It's a good trend to to follow when you're uh, when you're looking for that for DFS. Um, all right, well, lots of uh, lots of stuff going on uh, around not just fantasy alarm. I mean, MLB starting up, and we're getting ready for for those conversations. Uh, last night we started talking. Last episode, uh, we kind of broke down that first mock draft. I've done another one since, and I've got another one. Uh, you know, that's coming up later tonight. Um, but last night, you uh, did you get a chance to listen to any of the broadcast for the uh, the labor uh, mixed draft, fifteen team snake draft? Uh, obviously, all the uh, all the all the names you need to know in uh, the fantasy industry were were taking part in this one. Yeah, I heard some of it. You know, I'm always interested to see how these drafts are different from what I've experienced so far. So yeah, definitely. Listen to some of it. So, all right. So, well, we talked about what were the, some of the differences were that you saw in the mock draft yesterday. This one here um, is a real draft. So, what about the uh, the differences there? Um, obviously, I'm I'm probably going to assume that it's safe to assume that four pitchers in the first fifteen picks um, is low. No, that's about what you see in the NFBC as well. It's Usually those same pitchers. Maybe you might see a fifth make it to the end of the round, like a U Darvish or a Giolito. 
So no, that would that's basically what we've seen. Okay, all right. Um, we've got the draft board here. You can, uh, I'm going to have this by the time you guys are listening to this. I'll have uh, sent out a tweet. I did this uh, earlier also with the uh, with the other draft board there. So you guys can just kind of take a look. Adam and I kind of roll through some of the action here, some of the differences that he's seen, some of the reaches, uh, some of the uh, some of the less. Uh, you know, lesser known picks, some of the, the sleeper picks that we've got, our best value picks. Um, overall impressions of this draft, Adam? Uh, you know, I see some teams I like, other teams that I don't like. Um, I do think there were some interesting values uh, compared to, you know, the drafts that I've done. I think closers went a little bit later than usual. Um, obviously, there's a very few that we can rely on right now that we're not sure about but mm-hmm. you know i think there's a few with pretty good jobs that went in round seven um that were values compared to what i've seen so far all right whose team do you hate come on let's dish let's do it um i'll tell you what i'll make it easier on you first give me a team that you really like i will go i'll go first on this one here mike Podors are of fan graphs I don't love his pitching staff, right? But I absolutely love his offense. And, you know, going Trout, Mondesi, LeMayhew, Alonzo with his first four picks, went to Carlos Carrasco, but then comes back with Suarez and and Jordan Alvarez uh, as his next two picks. I love it, man. I love what he's got here. And he's got some pitching with Carrasco and Bundy and, you know, he's got Karen Chak, who's a solid closer, who should get the, all that work in Cleveland. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, I, I, I think I kind of like his team the most. Um, I like what Rudy Gamble did um, starting Soto. I don't like Flaherty. I would have liked Kershaw better. But Devers, Arena, Sonny Gray, Rosario, Presley, um, Stanton in the ninth. Yeah, we know there's risk. Uh, Austin Riley in the 14th, Evaldi in the 15th, DeYoung in the 17th, uh, Aaron Hicks in the 20th. I know we talked about him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, McGee could potentially close, getting him in round 21. Mauricio Dubon in round 23. Really like that pick. So I like what he did. And I think Scott Pianowski's offense is ridiculous. Now it's going to come down to his pitching, obviously, which he, you know, really waited on. But you know, when you start Betts, Kershaw, Bogarts, Biggio, Voigt, Moncada, Edwin Diaz, who I like in the seventh. I know people are scared of him, but he pitched really well last year outside of a couple of outings. Uh, Matt Chapman, Marcus Simeon, Soler. But yeah, the pitching then, you know, Gossman, Denilson Lamette got that elbow issue, Chris Bassett. Um, but even Winker and Austin Hayes, Greg Holland, I think he's got the job. I mean, so he's got two solid closers. I mean, always... Solid closes is always something that, you know, can blow up in your face quickly. But uh, this is a trading league. So maybe he winds up trading a bat or two for pitching or picks up pitching off the waiver wire. So um, it's not the most balanced team, obviously, because it's bat heavy. But um, I think that can work. Um, You know, it's so funny. I actually I made a bet with Jim Bowden. He and I were on the show right before this draft started. uh, And we had to, you know, put our money on somebody who we thought would, you know, would win this year, and uh, and he actually he went with Steve Gardner, probably because he was in the broadcast booth with them afterwards. Uh, I actually picked Pianowski to win this year, so I don't know if you got a chance to hear that on the show yesterday, but there you go. I'm a big fan of that one 
that move also. I'm curious as to your thoughts on on a Rosarena. You know, like obviously the 2020 numbers we're scratching our friggin' heads. There are some players we can believe in. There are some players we don't believe in. You know, there were there were bad performances where we're expecting a rebound. There were good performances that we are are not buying into. And two guys who went in the fourth round here, um, Randy or Rosarina, uh, he went to Rudy, and uh, and then Jeff Erickson took Trent Grisham. Uh, you know, in the uh, in the earlier in the fourth round. And like both of these guys, like a Rosarino looked fantastic in the playoffs. Um, he was just, I mean, there wasn't anything that he wasn't hitting. Trent Grisham, you know, 10 home runs, 10 stolen bases. Uh, you know, all of a sudden you, you look at that, that over 200 isolated power mark. And so you're like, okay, you know, I mean, so are we buying into these guys? I mean, fourth round, that's, that's pretty high uh, basing it off of the, the 2020 season. Yeah, it's because they both steal bases and stolen bases are getting pushed up the board. So if you want those steals, you got to pay for them. Um, Rosarena was doing it in the playoffs against great pitching. So I do buy into him in the fourth round. I'm okay with it, especially if I need steals, because even if he's not that good, he's probably going to steal 15 to 20 bags, right? And maybe get 15 to 20 home runs. Maybe the average isn't great, but uh, that, that could be potentially be the floor for him. So it's not a bad player. So I'll take the shot on him. The issue I have with Grisham is they moved him down the order last year against a lot of left-handed pitching. So if he's hitting eighth against lefties, that's going to hurt his value a little bit. So that's one thing I worry about with Grisham. I mean, he was a player that I did like last year and I took him. But yeah, now you're paying a much higher price tag for him. And it's really because of the steals. But you know, if he's going to hit eighth against lefties, that's a little bit of a problem uh, for a guy that you're taking in round four. You know, I kind of said a you know, very similar thing with uh, Victor Robles. I mean, he went ninth in the ninth round to uh, to to Pod Orzer, but you know, Victor Robles to me is a guy who can steal a bunch of bags and uh, you know, and 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 hit for some power as well. But I mean, the dude's hitting like eighth in the lineup or, or seventh in the lineup with. You know, like Carter Kaboom and the pitcher after him, and uh, and just getting stuck right down there at the bottom of the order is, uh, I mean, it's rough. It really is. And you know, you, I, I don't think, I don't think a lot of people. I mean, I, I think some people, you know, obviously hit on it, but when they're doing their research, they're not looking at the batting order, and all of a sudden they get stuck with some of these hitters, you know, who are like batting sixth, seventh, and eighth, and it's like, yeah, you're you're losing out, you're missing out on at bats by not going higher up in the order. I think it also depends on the team. Like, I don't really worry about it with Toronto Blue Jays because I think that lineup is just loaded. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Robles is a guy that I don't see him getting to the top of the order at all. I mean, you got Turner, Soto, Bell, Schwarber. Um, so Robles is going to hit at the bottom. Now, the thing with Robles is his price is cheaper than it kind of has been. So a lot depends on your roster construction and, you know, what do you need at that point? Um you know, are you looking for you, you have good power and your runs and RBIs are pretty good and you're really just kind of looking for a guy that can get you 15 to 20 steals? Then sure, you know, he could fit in that area. Um, only had four stolen bases last year, though, uh, but it had 28 two years ago. So there are some guys, for whatever reason, didn't run much last year. And again, so many outside factors between COVID and the short preparation 
Um, so a lot of that stuff you kind of have to draw, but we know he has the speed and the ability to steal bases. No, who, who would you rather, would you rather take a Rosarina in the fourth Grisham in the fourth or Robles in the ninth of a 15 teamer? Uh, I'm probably going to go a Rosarina. You're going to go a Rosarina. How are you going to, you're going to have a lot of shares of a Rosarina. Uh, I don't you? know. I don't know if I will have a lot. Uh, it sounds like you're pretty bullish on there. I don't, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's easy to say Robles in the ninth, but that's, you know what I mean? Because it's like, oh, well, he's the better value of weight, but you can't guarantee that. You know what I right. mean? It's just like, so, um, I don't, yeah, I mean, look at, let me see, who else in the fourth? I mean, guys, I mean, that, I, I mean you could have make, yeah, you could, I think the reason why I didn't take Glaber is because he probably wanted speed. That's, I mean, that's why he took him there. Because Soto might get you 10 to 15. He can run. You're not Devers not going to run much. So I think it was uh, basically took him for speed. He wanted 20 bags and he should get 20 bags. Okay. Well, we hope that he gets 20 bags. Oh, you can say he should. Can you? Can you make that guarantee? Can you guarantee me 20 stolen bases out of a Rosarina? I want to guarantee. I can't guarantee anything on uh, these guys, but I mean, he had. Four steals in 23 games last year. He seems like a very aggressive player. He stole some bases in the minor league. So uh, I think he is going to run. Um, I, I, See, I, I think it also, comes down, it also comes down to the way you draft. If you're a conservative drafter and you're looking for um, track record, you're not taking him. You're going to take Glaber Torres and guys like that. You know what I mean? If you are aggressive and you're looking for the upside, then you're going to take him. I mean, people... You could give me examples of guys who busted, and I can give you guys. There were people who were like, oh, Fernando Tatis, how can you take him in the late first round, early second round? What has the guy done? And what did he do? He won people titles or was a piece of that. So it all comes down to the, the way you draft. There are certain people like, well, he doesn't have enough of a track record. You're predicting the future. You know, you're not drafting what a guy did. So you have to make a, a call and – we're either going to look back and go, wow, the people who took a Rosarena were so smart. I mean, he was really good. Or we're going to look back and go, oh, man, you guys should have seen this coming. He only had 23 games. You guys got fooled by the playoffs. So the conservative drafters, they're not going to take him. They're not even going to consider him. They're not going to take Grisham. So it all depends on the way you draft. Also, your league, um, you know, obviously in the NFBC, you're going to take a, a shot in a Rosarena because you're trying to hit a home run. And that, that's what you want in the fourth round. But if you're a conservative drafter and you need to see the track record, I mean, there's so many guys you can cross off your list, right? I mean, you're not going to take a bunch of these guys going here. So where do you stand? Are you uh, are you a conservative drafter, Adam, or are you uh, somebody who, uh, you know, takes those chances, shoots for that upside? I'll take a shot. I took Tatis last year, early second round in the league. Mm -hmm. um, I took Darvish last year. Um, I was pretty – well – I was high on him compared to most. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take – I'm going to probably take, you know, a base in the first two to three rounds. But I'll, I'll, take, if, I'll take a shot on a Rosarena in the fourth. You will. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I, I love being the I told you so guy. I love being that guy who, you know, tells you, you know, you make the pick of the draft. And I say, really? Fourth round? Him? reach 
Uh, and then when he doesn't pan out, I'm the first one to call you up and text you and be like, remember I told you that it was a reach to take a Rosarina in the fourth round? I love being that guy. And when you're wrong, you don't say anything, right? Why, why make the call? I'm not going to make the call to say that I was wrong. No, I'm going to make the call to tell you that one of your guys just got hurt. I was watching the game and I saw him slide into second base. Looks like he broke his thumb. Okay. That's, that's, nice. that's the guy I am. <laughs> Dude, how much do you hate those guys in fantasy? Like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is, this is what, you know, I, I will say this. The internet, the ease of the internet has ruined the live draft. You remember sitting in the room and you just, you had all this, this ridiculous cast of characters sitting there. There was like, you know, oh my God, dude, I, I wrote an article. Oh my God. On, on, I, I think I, I did this originally for, uh, for, for kicking rocks uh, back on fan graphs. And oh, where is it? Where, oh, it's still here in the fantasy alarm system. It's called Know Thy Enemy. And I mean, like, the, the problem is that an article like this just isn't as funny by not doing the draft uh, in person and having everything online. Kind of a bummer. Let's see. Um, here you go. I want to know which, which one are you, Adam? Are you the blowhard? This guy knows everything about every this guy knows everything about everything and everyone. He knows every player, every stat, every projection, and he's not afraid to let you know it. In fact, he would probably explode if he wasn't able to release all of that hot air. It doesn't matter if he likes your pick or not. He's going to tell you why you're wrong and how he would have taken somebody else. Are you, are you, is that you? No. No. Are you Mr. Breaking News? It's hard to say how much research. The, it's, it's hard to say how much research this guy has done, but you know he just spent the last week reading every player update on ESPN and Yahoo. If you draft a guy who stubbed his toe in the clubhouse the day before, he's got the update for you. He knows every bump and every bruise. He knows who is off to a hot start this spring and who isn't. And best of all, he's here to tell you all about it. Nah, I don't say anything. If someone drafts someone who's hurt, I laugh in my head. In your head. Are right, you yeah. keeping it close to the vest right now? Yeah. All right. Are you the eager beaver, Adam? He's been talking about this draft every day for the past month and can hardly contain his enthusiasm once you're all together and ready to start. He'll incessantly talk your ear off and try to pick your brain to see if you're as excited about this, any of the same players. He loves baseball, and you guys should totally take it a game or two whenever you can. In fact, the whole league should get tickets, and we should all go together. The problem is that he's more hot out of the gate than he is a hard worker, so there's little concern for him during the season. No, that's not me. <laughs> Are you the owl? I don't know if he's hard of hearing or if he's just the most ill-prepared guy sitting in the draft room. Nearly every pick of a player outside the MLB's top 100 is punctuated by a who from this guy. He's often the slowest to make his pick as he frantically rifles through stacks of cheat sheets he printed out five minutes before the draft. No. You know who these guys are, though, don't you? <laughs> the minor. <laughs> the joke at the table is that he is also considered the pedophile because of his affectation for young boys. He's so focused on discovering the next big thing that his approach to his is to throw it up against the wall and see what sticks. You'll recognize him early as he's the one reaching 
Oh, this just goes to show you when I updated this one. He's the one reaching for Anthony Benintendi, Andrew Benintendi, in the sixth round. He continues to draft every hot young up-and-comer who is on every fantasy rookie list you've read this spring. Definitely not me. Definitely not you. Are you the Ernest Hemingway? The old man in the sea just had his boat wash up on shore of your draft room. Whether it's because someone dropped out last minute or you just needed to bring in to a, you know make it an even 12 team, someone in your league convinced you all to let his dad play. Usually this person is recently retired and having difficulty coping with life outside the rat race. He needs to be kept busy. This is Scott Engel. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Muddy Waters. Everyone needs a pity party at some point in their life, but this guy is singing the blues throughout the entire draft. He opens up with a Whitney with a whiny rendition of how injuries killed his whole season last year. And then it seems like every round that passes, someone has stolen his pick. There are never any good first baseman left. He never takes a starter this early, but he was forced to. And somewhere around the 15th or 16th round, he'll bust out his best rendition of why I hate my team right now. Yeah, definitely not me. So then you must be Joe Cool. He's smooth like butter. He's calm, collected. You never see him coming. He'll start off relatively unassuming, and you may not pay him much mind, Uh, as you're all getting together. But in truth, he's the most dangerous guy in your draft room. He has a very deep working knowledge of the player pool. He has a slew of strategies in mind, but never commits until the time is just right. And he is cagey with his conversation. He doesn't want you to know how much he knows, and he certainly isn't going to talk about players he likes. He'll go with the flow of the draft room, and he won't join in on any player debates. But somewhere in the middle of the draft, before you even have a chance to react, He's got a team assembled that looks like Beyonce and makes yours look like, well, this lady. I don't even remember who I posted there. The link doesn't work anymore. Yeah, that would be me. That would be you. Yeah. That would be you. Um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that as myself there. I believe that was uh, more autobiographical for me. And then I wrap it up here with the Tommy boy. Every draft has to have one. He's loud. He's brash. But he's also the guy who walked into the draft with a case of a case and a half of double barrel IPA with a 7.8% ABV. The other half of the case is already nestled inside his belly. He may have a, may not he may have a solid working knowledge of baseball, both real and fantasy, but he's too drunk by the eighth round to make a well thought out decision. He's also probably left his fantasy magazine and cheat sheets in the cab and wants to borrow yours on a regular basis. He also doesn't have a pen, so be a good Samaritan and bring some extra with you. Scrap paper, too. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a lot of those uh, different owners, and if you're listening, you probably know who you are, or you should. You definitely should. Like, these are, I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, listen, it's not every day that I'm, like, sitting here patting myself on the back for a comical piece, but... <laughs> I think I was pretty spot on with everybody in the draft room. Yeah, no, that's definitely a good uh, assessment of that for sure. (laughs) And we don't get that anymore now, man. Like it's kind of, I'm not going to say it's lame, but it's kind of lame. Like I I miss doing these live drafts with friends. Like even, you know, getting together for tout and labors, you know, fine and all. But I mean, it's still, it's, it's, there's nothing like a good solid home league draft. 
Yeah, I mean, um, my home league, we do the auction online. We have. We used to do it in person, but expanded to people out of state. But um, like the GDD League, which is a local league here in New York, um, and Rick Wolf and Glenn Coltner are in that. Jen Piacenti's in that. None of the Fido. Yeah, I'm in it too. Don't forget me. Um, and a lot of, uh, you know, industry guys. And that that kind of had like a home league feel. And, you know, we couldn't do it in person last year. And we're not doing it in person this year. So, uh, you know, that was always a fun night. I really do miss the draft. I really do. That was that was great stuff. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We used to sit there. So, you know, my wife was, you know, she would run live music venues and uh, and different clubs or bars and restaurants in New York. So we would always end up like doing our draft, um, you know, on a day that, you know, if it was if it was a restaurant, we would do it like Sunday night after, you know, after we close. Uh, but when she was like, you know, started doing like live music venues, we'd be able to do the draft on like a Sunday afternoon, writing teams on like giant pieces of oak tag, doing blind bid sheets. I don't know. Am I am I like the old man sitting on the porch pushing country time lemonade right now? Does any I mean, come on, everybody's gotta miss that shit, right? Or is it just kids today they just don't even know? No, I think people like doing drafts in person. It's a lot of fun, even for the NFBC. I think they are doing their drafts in person. I know as of now, I'm usually I call out the picks for the uh MTM Ultimate League, Mike the Mouth. Do you know who he is? Oh Mike yeah, Lasada. yeah. We I did the uh, we we produced the live stream for. Uh, he did the. Um, they did. He did that. Oh high yeah, when, last yeah, year. Yeah, when I was there. Yeah, I was calling out the picks there in July. So I am doing that again March nineteenth. So it is, as of now, still in New York City. So I don't know, and I know they're having live events in Vegas too. So. I'm sure some people are hesitant to go and are probably just going to continue to do them online. So I'm interested to see how many people are there, but uh, I will be there March 19th. COVID be damned. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I mean, you wear your mask, whatever, but yeah, I haven't, I have not hung out in New York city since this whole thing started. I've driven through it. Like when I go to Queens to see my mom, but I have not walked through the city. I have not taken a train or a bus to the city. So um, yeah. Well, except, what am I except that one time for that draft in July? So that was July, and I drove in that day. Um, and I probably plan to drive in again, but I have not been on a train, subway, bus uh, since this whole pandemic started. Yeah, oh god, I couldn't imagine taking public transportation right now. Are you kidding? I used to, dude, I used to loathe public transportation. I, you know, in New York. You know, it was just that savvy subway. I could find a train to take me anywhere there. That was no big deal. Um, but I can't even imagine doing that like now in these times. Oh, imagine that like rush hour. Where it's like you're packed in there like a sardine. You got somebody who's just like mouth breathing right in your face. You're just like, I don't I don't you know, I haven't seen because I don't know. I haven't been in New York, but I don't think it's packed like that. No, but it's I could be wrong. Not. I could Definitely be wrong. Not. You've seen the pictures that Lisa Ann's posted. No, but that's not on the subway, though. No, but I mean, obviously, in, if, if the streets aren't packed, then yeah, but damn, the subway, damn well sure the subways aren't either. Well, they run in Queens, Bronx, Brooklyn, not only Manhattan. So I don't know. Um, I have seen 
pictures where there have been quite a few people on the train. And I was a little surprised where people are sitting there with masks, not to the level of packed rush hour, but more people than I thought. Oof, I'd be in a fucking hazmat suit. And you would probably go viral. <laughs> Someone would take a picture like, oh, look at this guy on the subway. Look at this fucking idiot. Look at this fucking idiot who's not sick, right? I had to go pick up my new glasses today, right? And I get like the questionnaire from the uh, from the optometrist's uh, assistant who's like out front uh, giving like the, the COVID checklist or, you know, have you been in contact with? Did you do this? Did you do that? Taking my temperature like three times in a row. I'm just like, man, I think that's that's just out here in small town living. I couldn't even imagine how like aggravating it is to be. I'd probably have a panic attack. I'd probably have a panic attack and, and just become a complete shut-in, like now. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. I just take the safety precautions to move on. Yeah, I, I do too. I just, you know what it is? I just don't, it's, it's not that, it's, I don't trust other people. Like, I know that I can be smart and, and that's fine. It's the other people out there who, like, have no sense of, like, personal space. Like, that just, you know, it drives me insane. And you'd think with the number of like shows and festivals that I I go to on a regular basis or I used to go to that I'd be okay with it. But like crowds just kind of gross me out now. Yeah, I think there are some people that feel that way. I know there's some people in my building that will not go in the elevator with anyone else. They'll only go by themselves. You have to like ask, can I come on the elevator with you? You know, <laughs> you live in snowflake towers. Am I, may I please infringe upon your space? I had a, I had a lady, I was at the, the grocery store the other day and I was trying to, you know, grab a, uh, you know, a, a box of wood. My wife and I ran out of, you know, we, we had firewood delivered and blah, blah. We hadn't gotten a, a delivery. And so, you know, it was getting cold and rainy. So you go to the store, you grab like a big box of wood and I'm trying to put it on my, uh, on my shopping cart, like at the bottom. And the thing just keeps sliding away and some woman like you know holds it she like grabs the handle and she holds it steady for me and i throw it in there and uh and i was like in, in the middle of saying thank you and what does she say to me she's like oh i'm sorry i just probably infected your uh your your clean space <laughs> i was like um i was saying thanks because you helped me out there and i was like a schmuck trying to like you know it was like you felt like you were you're kicking the soccer ball as you were trying to pick it up on a regular basis, like pushing the cart backwards, and she did it, and right there off the bat, she and she ruined my personal space. And uh, I, just, hmm. and I, I felt bad that like that was what she took away from the experience instead of feeling good about doing a good deed. It's the way of the world now, right? Things are different. <sighs> I tell you, Adam. I tell you. Um, all right, I want to just touch back on uh, on this draft. Uh, for labor. But before we do that, I just got to give a shout out to our sponsor, uh, Monkey Knife Fight, the DFS site that y'all should be playing on. And here's why. <laughs> do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Then you need to check out monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because monkeyknifefight.com is different than the other daily fantasy sites. That's because on monkeyknifefight.com, there are no salary caps and you don't have to play against sharks, which means anyone has a chance at winning, even you, Adam, even you. 
Uh, MonkeyNightFight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love. Baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, and eSports too. Monkey Knife Fight has it all. You know what else MonkeyNightFight.com has? How about a free $5 game for you for just for signing up? And if you use the promo code ANTIUP, one word, A-N-T-E-U-P, you will have your first deposit matched instantly up to 50 bucks. With a name like MonkeyKnifeFight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're going to be getting when you sign up to play. Monkeys and knives and fights and sports. Sign up and play today at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Play, play MKFing win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. So that's how we uh, pay the bills. All right, Adam, let's uh, let's wrap up some thoughts here on uh, on this draft. I asked you about the possible reach uh, about uh, Grisham and Rosarina. Got your opinions there. What about some uh, some value picks, some picks that kind of, you know, stood out as, uh, as as good, solid options? And I'm mean, like trying to think of where I saw like a really nice value. I think it was round 10, Ramon Laureano. I'm a fan of Ramon Laureano. You like him at all? Yeah, he burned me last year. I had him in a lot of leagues, but that suspension didn't help things. You know, he still has that speed power combo. So I'll definitely buy back in, especially since he's a little bit cheaper than last year. Uh, you know, we saw 24 homers, 13 steals in 123 games two years ago. So um, I think he could bounce back. Uh, that whole suspension thing, I think, probably affected him. And again, we're looking at a very small sample from last year so yeah i'll buy back into him yeah me too and i love i love round 10 like that's a great price i'll be more than happy to do that um what about you do you see anybody of uh of, of noteworthy value to you yeah i'd like tyler molly in, in round 15 mm-hmm. uh i think this guy's a really good pitcher um for cincinnati and we saw him last year you know, take a step forward. Uh, he's always been a guy that's kind of had on the radar. Uh, but, you know, we saw the strikeouts go up last year. Uh, solid ERA again, only nine starts. But, I mean, I think he had that ability the previous year as well. Um, and it just needed the opportunity to start, and he got it. So, um, you know, walk rate was a little bit high. That's something he has to curtail. But strikeout rate was good. Whip was good. Um, so I like him. I uh, like uh, there was something else that stood out. Where was it? Uh, there was a couple that I thought were pretty interesting. Um, uh, let's was see. Was it? Um, could it be? I don't know. I'll I'll go a little bit earlier then. Um, uh, you say Kukuchi in around eighteen. You like Kikuchi, huh? Yeah. Talk think, to me. Pitches to a lot of contact, which I don't like. Uh, his velocity went up last year. Mm-hmm. So uh, went up like three miles per hour, 95 miles per hour. He averaged on his fastball. The strikeout rate jumped 8% from the previous year. Now, it did get hurt with the walk rate. Walk rate went up. But I think there were some promising signs for him. And, you know, I know Seattle might go with a six-man rotation. We might see some other teams do it as well. But I thought there were some noticeable improvements last year. A lot more swings and misses. Uh, just has to throw some more first pitch strikes. But, you know, round 18, um, I think this is a guy, you know, you look at his FIP, it was 3.30, XFIP 3.78. Uh, didn't allow home runs. 
uh, some bad luck with the strand rate at 60%. So I thought he made some gains last year. And uh, so round 18, you know, pitching, you, you can't find many pitchers you like late. It's really bad. Uh, so that's a pitcher I'm going to take a, sh- a shot on. Uh, you said you can't find pitchers you like late? I mean, you think there's a ton of pitchers that you can make a, a case for? Um, I mean, just late pickups. Uh, I'll, you know what? It's kind of funny. I was going to ask you about him anyway because he's he's Mr. Met. But thoughts on Marcus Stroman there in the 14th? Yeah, I like Stroman, but that I mean, that's kind of not late. 14th round is. Oh, I mean, mean, how late do you want to talk about? You're talking about like like uber late, like. Yeah, I mean, there's pitching is not deep this year at all. You know, there's a, there there's no way you can feel like, oh yeah, there's a ton of guys I like in the later rounds that I just I'm confident if I put on my team, if I pass pitching early, that I'm going to do well. Like, there's so many question marks. Even the pitchers that go round nine, ten, and eleven. There's a lot of them that you're like, oh, I don't know. So it's just there's not a lot of depth. So what I'm looking for, even even next to Kikuchi, Brady Singer in round 18, I like too. I thought he showed a lot of good signs last year. And I think Kansas City is not that bad. That lineup's pretty good. They have a good bullpen. But there's not many arms late, like Robbie Ray, garbage. You know what I'm saying? Like every <laughs> every year people do the same thing and they really they don't realize whips a category. I love how much you hate Robbie Ray. <laughs> what about um, what about Drew Smiley? Now he's with uh, the the lefties in Atlanta. Um, any any upside there? Mike Miner back with KC. I mean, no? Smiley Smiley had some good underlying numbers last year, but you know, it's still a guy that, <laughs> that we haven't seen pitch much. Twenty-six and two third one third last year, one fourteen in 2019, nothing in 17 and 18. So yeah, fine, but you know, there's a reason he goes late. But my point is it's just like, you know, in years past you probably felt good about a lot of arms late. I don't feel that way this year. Like they right. all have a lot of question marks surrounding them. And if you're going to wait on pitching uh, and, and gamble on a lot of guys late, you know, like, okay, you, you mentioned Pottinger's team where you like, right? And he really waited. Look at the guys he got late. Griffin Canning, Caleb Smith, Tariq Skubal, Chris Archer, David Peterson. Like, do you feel good about any of them? Uh, no, no, not at all. I mean, I don't mind Skubal. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I don't like the rest of that group. Not, right. No, I no mean, look, Canning can pitch, but he's had injury issues. Um, and look, we can make a case for all these guys. But the point is, like in years past, like you would discover a few arms. You're like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to wait. I'm going to take these guys. I feel good about it. You know, I just don't think that's the case this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, and looking at this draft board again, the question is, is where's the happy medium? Because, you know, you look at Joe Sheehan's team and, you know, after going Bellinger, Harper, and Vladdy Jr., Snell, Wheeler, Hendricks, Lizardo, uh, Urias, Sixto Sanchez. That's great and all, but you know, are those three bats that you got at the beginning? Uh, are, are those the? Uh, are, are they going to carry your offense the most? Because after that, you know, Didi Gregorius, Miguel Sano, Dalton Varsho, Gavin Lux. Well, Wander yeah, that's Franco. that's the he overdid it because Gavin Lux. We don't know if he's going to play every day. Wander Franco probably not in the major start of the year. Senzel right. has some questions at player uh, playing time. So that's the problem is there's some questionable at-bats here. I mean, he took Joe Adele late. He probably doesn't start the year with the team. Um, does he even have – let me see. Wow, he 
his only third baseman is Nolan Jones. Is that right? Yeah. Brown Brown is third base. Yeah. He has one third baseman who uh yeah. So yeah, I, I mentioned that on Sirius XM when I was looking at his team, uh, that I felt like he kind of overdid it. I mean, I like a lot of those arms. I wouldn't have taken Wheeler there. I think Wheeler was overpriced in that spot. Hendricks is good. You know, Lazardo, Urias, and Sanchez all have a lot of ability. I mean, if two of those hit big, you know, yeah, his pitching would be good. But, you know, he came out of this draft with a lot of question marks at a, and at bats. You know, that's the biggest problem here. Um, we just mentioned several of those guys that he's counting on that have playing time issues. So this could be a case of, you know, maybe he's trading with Scott Pianowski. Ooh, and, again, you, and that's the thing you can do. That's what people need to remember. This is a standalone league and there's trading. So, you know, you don't, I don't think you want to go into a draft saying, all right, I'm going to come out of it and make trades. But sometimes the way it pans out, you know, my guess is Scott was like, you know what? These arms are overvalued, man. I'm not going to push up pitching. If everyone else is going to do it, I'm just going to take backs. And obviously she had went in the opposite direction. Like, well, you know, pitching is so tough and I like all these arms and uh, I'm going to stockpile them up. So, you know, different ways to do it. And, you know, the thing is they do have the ability to trade. Yeah. And listen, anytime you're in a league with Fred Zinke, you know, <laughs> the trading's going to be abundant. No doubt about it. I don't think I've ever played in a league with him, but I'm well aware of the reputation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> dude. <laughs> the first year I played in a league with Fred Zinke, it was hysterical. I was like, man, this dude is, he's relentless. I mean, he's just, you know, he just loves dealing, loves dealing, you know, and I'm always like, you know, you know, I like to let, you know, my team marinate a little bit, kind of evaluate it, see where I'm at. You know, I'm usually pretty happy about my, you know, I, I, I consider myself a good drafter, a strong drafter. Um, and so, you know, as a result of that, I'm not like right out of the gate being like, oh, I got to change this up on my team. I got to change that up on my team. So, you know, it's tough. And yeah, Fred's Fred's all up in your uh, up in your business in that first week. It's hysterical. Yeah, no, I've heard. I've heard. I've seen it. So, I mean, look. You got to know what your strength is. And he probably feels that he's really good at making trades. You know, like you said, some people are really good at drafting. Some people are really good working the waiver wire. So you got to figure out what your strength is and accentuate it. And clearly, I haven't seen the results, but I'm assuming if he keeps trading, he must be doing well. And he did win this league last year. So I don't know how many trades he made, but certainly it uh, works out. Certainly works out. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. You know what? How about some breaking news here on the show, right? I mean, it's breaking for us, or at least it was since we've been on the show. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. has agreed to a 14-year, $340 million contract extension with the Padres. Yeah, my guess is um, players might feel that there's a strike coming and take that guaranteed money now. Yeah, lock it in. 14 years, $340 million. This ain't like football, dude, right? It's not like, you know, they can just tear your fucking contract up. That's crazy. This dude got paid. And a full no trade clause. I know some people might be like, oh, what's wrong with him? He could put up ridiculous numbers and why is he settling? But um, probably maybe got some advice like, hey, there could be a strike. You never know what could change in the game. Just take this money. Um, cause what trout got three sixty. 
Trout got 360. You know, I mean, when, you, when you start getting up in that range, I mean, <laughs> oh, you know what, Adam? I, I mean, I'm, I'm only making $340 million over the next 14 years of my life. I give my left nut to make $340 million over the next 14 years of my life. Holy shit. Yeah, Holy man. Shit. That's insane. That's insane. I would love to sign that deal. Why couldn't why couldn't I have been born Fernando Tatis Jr.? Why how did I end up how did I end up with this body and this lack of athletic ability um and in a business that just ain't paying me dinky do? Yeah, some people are blessed and lucky and others not so much. We fall in the not so much. Holy shit. Oh my god. I mean, right right now, man, if I could like Remember the movie? You remember the movie Freaky Friday? Yes. Right. If I could Freaky Friday with any athlete for one day right now, I mean, it would be Tatis. I- I'd like to walk around with that fucking smile on my face. Yeah, I thought the breaking news you were going to say is Tim Tebow retired. <laughs> Dude, that see <laughs> names like that are a thorn in my side. Like I don't mean to be the old curmudgeon. Yes, I do. Fuck Tim Tebow. I'm sorry. Dude, I went to a um a double A All-Star game a couple years ago with Ed from the Bronx. Right. And oh my God, the line for Tim Tebow autographs was insane. Like you had all these top prospects there. They were all there. To, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, man? Who gives a shit? But you know, that's me. I oh. thought the whole thing was dumb. I'm like, can you just stop with this guy already? Yeah. Oh, dude. And like, you know, and and people sit there when they ask you constantly in fantasy about something like that, you know, like how many times do you have to answer the same question about a player who's just, it's like, it's like getting Taysom Hill questions, you know, it's like, really, do I really have to keep fucking answering the same thing over and over again? Like, it's just absurd, absurd. Tim Tebow retired. Like, I give a shit. I can't believe you came up with that as news. I can't believe you called that news. I was joking. It was sarcastic. I don't think you were, man. I didn't hear that usual sarcastic, biting, caustic, Ronus voice. I didn't hear Have I even brought up Tim Tebow's name one time ever? I can't really remember. Because I haven't. That's why. Well, maybe not here on this show. No You've never brought up Tim Tebow before in a conversation? Never. Not one. Nope. Hmm. Um, hmm. All right, then. All right. I can't argue with that because I don't have any tape. I got no tape here that says it. But you actually just did this time. You brought up Tim Tebow. Yeah, as a joke. But it doesn't matter. It's still, you, you brought him up. It's a first for everything. And you're harping on it. You're extending the conversation about him. Um, you know, yeah, I guess I am. I guess I am. Maybe just to belabor the point that you brought up Tim Tebow when I was talking about breaking news, I give you something as extravagant as a Fernando Tatis contract signing, and you hit me with Tim fucking Tebow. Why do you hate me? Why do you uh, hate me? I don't know. You don't know why you hate me? Well, why don't you think about that? And Tatis did go number one in this labor draft overall, too. So he did. How'd you feel about that? I have no issue with it. I have no issue with it either. None at all. I like those first three. You know, I mean, I got to tell you, man, you know, the Tatis, Bichette, Rendon, 
Um, I mean, you know, to double tap the closers like that, that, you know, this is uh, Anthony, uh, uh, Alan Harrison of the Fantasy Fix, who had the number one pick overall. Um, Tatis, Bichette, Rendon. Would you have done, you know, would you, was that a strategy you would consider knowing the security no, for Hader and Liam no. Hendricks? There's not, there's, Hader doesn't have security. Yeah, I guess Devin Williams is sitting right yeah. behind him. So he's not, he might not get every save. So, no, nah, there's no way I would do it. Not a chance. I probably wouldn't even, I wouldn't even take one closer there. I wouldn't take Hendricks there. All right, so where would you have gone then? When If you got Tatis, Bichette, Rendon, what's your next pick at that point? If you went pitching, there was Corbin Burns, Carlos Carrasco, Sonny Gray, uh, Max Fried, Ryu, Wheeler, Maeda. You could do that. Or do you maybe go into the outfield and uh, and end up with, I don't know, Castellanos? I know you like Nick Castellanos, don't you, still? Um, Tay Oscar, Austin Meadows, Blackman. I probably would have taken one pitcher there. I probably would have gone uh, Burns or Carrasco, I think. Burns or Carrasco. Okay. And then position player the other way. Probably, yeah. 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 Yeah, I probably would have uh, as well. Man, he did he get a he didn't get Bobby Dahlbeck is his only first baseman. What the hell's that about? I don't know if I'd do that. Can't I can't punt first base, dude. I just can't do it. Well, Dominic Smith should have first base eligibility too, right? I mean, oh, does he? I think I don't know. I think would they do ten games here in this? I don't remember. I mean, they put him as outfield at least for the color, but I don't know. I mean. It's going to be more complex this year with different sites having different rules for position eligibility. So just make sure you look into that when you're drafting. (laughs) That's not going to complicate things at all, Adam. Not at all. Right. Ten game in season minimum, seven game, five game, one game. Yeah. It's always brilliant, man. It's always brilliant. (laughs) Going to drive me nuts. All right. Uh, guys, that's the uh, the labor draft, 15 teams. Uh, it's draft season, baby. Next week, we're going to have the FSGA drafts are going on. We're going to be talking about them. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot more best bets uh, around the NBA, the NHL. Start bringing on some, some guests here. Uh, Adam had some nice guests while I was away, so uh, I figured we should uh, we should probably start doing that. Getting some thoughts from uh, some other people. Maybe we can even just bring somebody in just to hate on him a little bit, right? Can we can we just bring in Scott Engel just to pick on him the entire show? <laughs> yeah, that'll just be a flashback of our morning show back in the days. Right. See, that's what I want to do. I want to bring on Scott Engel. You do the make this happen, Adam. Get the king, have him join us, and we'll uh, we'll reminisce over like some of the uh, the old characters and voices that you guys used to do uh, over on the old Roto Expert show. All right, if you really want me to, I can get it. I'll make, yeah, I can dude, make it let's do it. All right. We let's might do, have to do a, love hearing from the king, right? We might have to get a landline in order to get him. Ah. But... <laughs> <laughs> he's the only dude I know who still looks around for a pay phone when he's out. <laughs> he still has a beeper. He does. He does have a beeper. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, so lots coming up in the future. 
But yeah, that's going to do it for us here tonight on the Annie Up podcast. As always, a big thank you to all of you for liking and subscribing and, and staying tuned in. Big thanks to Adam Ronis, as always. Uh, we'll catch up to you, uh, yeah, tomorrow. I'm Howard Bender. This has been Annie Up. And again, yeah, we'll catch you next time.